Hello, everybody. Welcome back into Talk Off. It is Tuesday, August 29th, and Daz, the Seattle Mariners have officially done it. The Seattle Mariners are officially in first place uh, at game, what is it right now? It's like game 120, 127. 127. That is like the that. Uh, the point in which, hold on, hold on. It's been a long day. I've been staring at a computer screen the entire day. Give me a second here. It's okay. This is the point in the season which they have, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm Are you still, okay? I'm, I'm still not figuring it out. This, you got this. Here we go. Deep breaths. <sighs> this is the point. Okay. I'm going to research. Well, this is the last time I'm going to try it. Or this is the, gonna, yeah. Yeah this, or, this, yeah. This this is awful. The Mariners haven't been in first place this late in the season since 2003. Thank you. There we go. Thank I didn't, you. For, I, thank- I, I, I was think while I was speaking, I was trying to think of how I was going to word it. And then that deep breath really set in. And I was like, okay. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. So as we said, the Seattle Mariners have officially taken first place in the AL West. Something that you know, preseason, I might have said the Mariners had a chance, and going into the seat, like going into the season, one hundred percent, I was like, yeah, it's Mariners and Astros. They're going to be fighting till the end. The Rangers emerged as as the favorite during the season. They had what a 10, 12 game they had lead. A Ten game lead. The a 10 game lead on the Rangers in the AL West. I mean, on the Mariners, excuse me. And here come the Mariners in the last month, the last month and a half. Obviously, we know they've been the hottest team in all of baseball. It's been on the back of Julio Rodriguez. And we kind of said that all years. That's really why they've been struggling is that, the, you know, they're good hitters, they're top guys, they're all stars who they look to for production that they were producing last year weren't producing this year. Julio Rodriguez OPS was in the 600s, I'm pretty sure, in June and July, which is just far and away his it's just not even close to the kind of player that he is. He's emerging as the player that he really is late in the season, better late than never, and the Mariners as we keep talking about for the past 2 weeks are the hottest team in baseball, have officially taken the lead in the AL West. They hold it by one game. And let me tell you something, this last month, we're, we're down to the last month of the season. It is almost, we are two days out from September. It is officially, officially crunch time. And mm-hmm. the Seattle Mariners, at, at my favorite saying, they are getting hot at the exact right time. There's no question that this is when you want to get good. This is when you want your players playing your absolute best. Teams that are struggling and just farting their ways into the playoffs, like you know the Twins, the Rays, even the Rangers have dropped a lot of games as of recently. Like one in nine in their last ten, the Rangers. One in nine. You don't want to f- just limp your way into the playoffs. You want to come out firing. That's what the Mariners are doing. Baltimore's always hot. The Rays are hot right now. But right now, it, in the AL, I am terrified of the Seattle Mariners for the sole purpose that they are just really hot. And when a team is that hot, doesn't matter how good you are. You do not want to face them. No, you really don't want to face them. And like you, like you mentioned earlier, Julio is kind of the uh, the main focal point here in this conversation, just because he is that guy on that team. He is the centerpiece that they have built their entire organization around out there in Seattle. And like you mentioned, a 600 OPS in the middle of the season is not going to get the job done. If you are 
supposed to be the guy setting the table, knocking runs in. You're supposed to be essentially the MVP of this team. And as of recent, the last three weeks or so, Julio has lived up to that contract. I mean, he had that stretch where he – was that a series against uh, – it wasn't against the Yankees, was it? I No, I think it was against the Astros actually. Okay. When they swept um, the Astros. But he had more hits than the entire Yankees did all weekend. Yeah. He had 15 mm-hmm. hits over a three-game stretch. I mean, absolute ridiculousness. From it's just a masterclass. He's been put yeah, on a no, masterclass for the last class. for the last very, three, four. It's very weeks. classy. It's a very classy performance. Absolutely, and and they've just been dominant. Like if you're a Mariners fan right now, you have to be feeling so fucking good because it really looked like at the end of June, early July, even closer to the to the mid end of July, it really looked like the Mariners were done. It looked like they were absolutely out of it. And there was there was no coming back from the you know the huge lead the Rangers had. Toronto was playing well. Houston was playing well. All these teams were playing so well. And this was you know even when the Yankees were still in it. Since then, Seattle has just bolted themselves to the top of this division, to the top of the AL almost. And right now, my pick at preseason of the Seattle Mariners winning the World Series kind of looks really good. The pitching is is obviously we know the pitching. The pitching is there; it will always be there. Like we keep saying, trading Paul Seawall did not change their bullpen at all. Andres Munoz has been fucking nails since they traded Seawall, and the offense was the one thing lacking the entire season, and now it is not. Now we're really we're really seeing all of what the Seattle Mariners have, and this just changes the entire scope of the playoffs with the Mariners playing so well. Because now the wild card looks like Tampa with a six-game lead, and then Texas and Houston are tied. Toronto's two and a half back from them, and then Boston's four and a half back. Boston with a huge series against the Houston Astros this week. A sweep for Boston, and now we're looking at a really crazy wild card. And there's four teams, five teams that are possibly in this AL wild card. Right now, the Texas Rangers need to figure their shit out if they want a spot in this playoffs. Because let me tell you something, Toronto is as as disappointing, honestly, as they've been this year. Because I really expected them to emerge as as the team to be in the AL East They're and, two and a half be out. be that. I know, but like at the beginning of the year, I really I, I felt like if they got a good season from Barrios, which they have. I thought that you know this was going to be the team to beat in the in the entire AL. Honestly, it, it, it they've been slightly disappointing, even though they are eleven games over five hundred, only two and a half out of the wild card. They've been slightly disappointing, but that's still a team that's that's scary. That lineup can get hot like the like the rest like the Seattle Mariners are right now, and like we've like we've been saying about the Blue Jays, the rotation is the one thing that's holding them back. And getting a terrible season out of Alec Manoa this year is was worst case scenario for the Blue Jays, but they're definitely not out of it two and a half back, especially how bad Texas has been playing. Now, Houston, they haven't been playing that great either. Even the four-game series that they had against Boston, to, compete, to be completely honest, as much of a Red Sox fan as I am, I thought for sure we were losing four. I thought we were getting swept, no question. In Houston, there, I thought there was no question. Hmm. And we split. Houston four and six in their last ten, and and this is kind of goes off of what I said before. Is is just 
these there's some teams that are just kind of trying to limp their way into the playoffs and there's other teams that are going to try to bolt by them the Boston Red Sox being one of those teams the Toronto Blue Jays being one of those teams and then it, like in the NL too you know the Reds could get hot the Marlins could get hot you really never know this last month of baseball is going to be really really fun we have 30ish games left there are a lot of spots up for grabs there's still the only locks I would really say are like Baltimore and Tampa to make the playoffs in the NL in the AL, excuse me, and Minnesota to win the division because everybody else is fucking terrible. The wild card teams, Texas, Houston, not locked. Seattle is not locked for the winner of that division. They could easily get bounced back to the wild card. It's going to be an exciting 30 days that we have left in the season around 30 days. I'm, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm excited too. This is uh this is crunch time for a lot of teams. Beyond the trade deadline, I think this is my this is my favorite time of the year. Uh if I'm looking around the wild card right now because honestly, the divisional the, the the wild card race in recent years has has really like made me more excited for the playoff more than the divisional race has. Um just cuz there's so much more action going on in it. I think it's awesome. That in the, I mean the American League is a little more spursed out, but the National League wild card is tight. You have the the Diamondbacks right now holding on to that last spot with sixty nine wins, sixty two losses, and then you have right behind them the Giants and Reds one and a half games back each, and then the Miami Marlins sitting at three games back. Zach, this is uh, this is this is like one of the most one of the most interesting wild card races i can think of probably since like 2013 2014 when it when the wild card game were like the pirates and the reds like yeah. you just don't see these teams in the playoffs and now we could possibly very well see i mean bearing anything crazy that happens to like the chicago cubs i mean they've been playing unbelievable baseball but like could you imagine a wild card round the national league wild card round of the phillies the cubs and the Reds or the Phillies Diamondbacks in the Reds, like what the fuck would that be like? Absolutely. Like it's, I do think that's why this year is so interesting. And I have to think that the, the thing that I would have to, you know, give all the credit to is that third wild card team that they have implemented. You know, what was it last year or two years ago? That third wild card team just gives so many teams an opportunity to push and and when they get to this point in the season and they're a little bit out of it they're still going to push and try to get to that third spot with only two teams you know you got less people competing and it's just not the same this year especially because of the weird year that we've had with a lot of teams who have been historically bad who have been good this year it's really interesting to see, like like you said, we could see a combination of Phillies, Diamondbacks, Reds, or the Marlins thrown in there. They haven't made a playoffs in a while. It's going to be really interesting. Uh, the, they actually have made the playoffs recently. They did. They did. They did in 2020, 2020. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't count that. Sorry. That doesn't count for me. Twenty twenty. Well, you know, season. it just pisses me off because the one year they expanded the playoffs and there was 60 games and there was just such a better – uh, chance to make the playoffs, we still miss the playoffs. So that's true. You did. That's that. That is yep. true. Yep. But it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a shitload of fun. The the last month of the season and going into the playoffs, I think we're gonna see just 
some real dogfights. We're going to see guys really throw it out all on the field. And there's no holding back, especially for teams like Toronto, teams like Boston, Arizona, Chicago, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Miami. These teams that are three, four games out of the wild card or just hanging on to that last spot, they're going to fucking throw the kitchen sink at teams and just try their absolute hardest to make that third spot. Because there is no reason that a team can't win from that last wildcard spot, especially with how it's set up. The last wildcard team in the AL is going to play the Minnesota Twins. So enjoy your stroll to the ALDS. Because the Twins ain't beating anyone. I don't give a fuck about their rotate. You can talk about their rotation, talk about their fucking fielding. You talk about maybe Carlos Correa turn it on. No. Nobody is losing to the Twins in wildcard weekend. I'm sorry. If you do, you didn't deserve to be there. Because anybody who, in my opinion, anybody who says the Twins really deserve to be there is a fucking liar. They're horrible. Yeah. I mean. Like, I'm, well, so, I'm sorry. Like, it, it, it's rude. It might be rude to say or whatever, but like, the Twins are bad. The they're in a shit bad. division. No, they're bad. Literally. Every single team in their division, but like this is, is what you fucking get. horrible. This is what I was gonna say. This is what you get when you have the weakest division in baseball. I mean, you have, uh, let's see, you have three teams in the league under five hundred. Sorry, four four teams in the in the division under five hundred. The only team above five hundred are the Twins, currently leading the division. I mean, this is ridiculous. It is, it, and it's just like it's at the point where. You know, I do I do feel like we maybe not on the podcast, but me and you do talk about like um realignment, like they division need to, realignment. They, they, like they need to stop. It needs to, it it's got to happen. It really does because the fact that yes, okay, they're 68 and 63, which means that, you know, they could make the NL wild card. Right now they'd be right behind Boston in the wild card. They'd be five and a half out of the AL wild card if if they didn't lead to the division. Like that's just fucking stupid to me. That doesn't make any sense. Like that, that's so dumb. You're also giving that third wild card team just such an easy road because, I, like, like I said, don't get me wrong, their rotation is good. Pablo Lopez has been fucking phenomenal the last two months. Sonny Gray's had a great year. Joe Ryan's had a great what? Like, that's all fine and dandy. They can't hit the fucking ball for shit. They can't score runs, and. In a three-game series, as much as I say that the rotation is all that matters in the playoffs, in a three-game series, it's more of the lineup. Like, the, the rotation matters a lot more in a seven-game series. And that three-game series, as long as you get two quality your starts. really matters a lot in the three-game series. Absolutely. And like, man, like, managing is the – managing is way more important in the three than in the seven. Because, I mean, you, a lot of these guys in the seven are going to get two starts. Uh, three, you get one crack at it. So if your ace goes out there and folds, then it's like you really, 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 really need the uh, the second guy to to step up in night two. But I mean, we saw I saw it last year with the Mets. I mean, the last two times we made the playoffs, sixteen and twenty two, we both uh, uh, have been in that wild card round, and it, it's it is not a fun. It, it's fun to say you're in the playoffs, and then once the game starts, it is the most miserable round of playoffs to be involved in. Yeah, it is, and and the whole moving it to a three game series instead of just one game that changes everything as well. You know, everything changed with the whole with the new. 
the new rules that they put into the playoffs and everything, everything really changes now because you got another team that can get in. And then once you are in and you're in that wild card weekend, it's more than you can't just win one game. It's not just a one game fluke. It's a three game series. So like I said, it's going to be so interesting when it comes down to the wire. I, I, I don't know if Seattle will keep this up. I don't know if Seattle will keep the AL West lead. You know, Houston, as much as they've been, you know, kind of limping their way, they're, they're still playing pretty good ball. They're still getting good quality starts. The bats, Altuve is hitting well. Bregman's hitting well. Alvarez is back from injury, hitting well. Like, And Kyle Tucker, who I found out last week, leads the league in RBIs with like 99. I <laughs> never knew that, but okay. Yeah, that. Have a season, Kyle Tucker. But I, I don't know. I really don't know what's going to happen. We got – like I said, we got about 30 games left to figure out what's going to happen, and I am just holding on to my seat and praying for those Boston Red Sox because I'd love to make the wild card. I'd, I'd get swept in two games just to make it. I don't know, I'd, man. It's just like it's such a disappointing end to the year. Yeah, but when you're not expecting to even make the playoffs, it feels good. Yeah, I mean the Phillies didn't expect to make the playoffs until September last year, and look where they went. That's true, and they didn't expect. To, they probably didn't expect to make the playoffs at the middle of this year when they were what, fifteen games back. Like they were almost out of it. Yeah, and they were pretty much out of it. The start of June, they just come storming back, and here we are now with them having a three and a half game lead on the first wild card spot. It's so much can happen, especially when you have teams playing teams that they're right next to in the standings. Like I was talking about with Boston and Houston. This is just such a big series for both teams. Either team sweeps, and it, Houston sweeps, Boston's out of it. Boston sweeps, and holy shit, now Houston's out of it. Toronto jumps them, and and Boston's two games, a game and a half out. The whole aspect could change in the span of four to five days in in baseball right now. That's what makes it so interesting. That's what makes everybody want to keep watching because – at the end of the season, you really just don't know what's going to happen. We have a couple locks, but really, it's it, it's anybody's World Series to take. Is especially even how much we talk about the Braves and how much nobody can beat them. It still really is anybody's World Series to take, anybody's playoffs to take, and we will see what happens when it gets time. But watch out for those Boston Red Sox because I hear they're pretty good. I uh, I'm a I'm a, I'm a Sox fan. Look, I always said they're my second favorite team, and I'm pulling for them here. So if the Sox really, the Sox can make really the playoffs cool. this year, I am all in on the Sox. I'll put a few. It would be to make the playoffs. It would be really really cool. It'd be cool. Chris, just some uh, some news around the league today. Our beloved friend, friend of the program, friend of the Mets, friend to all, sad sad man, Noah Syndergaard. DFA'd by the Cleveland Guardians following his start against the Toronto Blue Jays, which they won. They won that game. He gave up a absolute moonshot to Vladdy. Like that, that was one of the farthest home runs I've ever. It, it only got tracked at like 420, but that looked like the farthest home run I've ever seen in my life. And Noah Syndergaard promptly DFA'd uh, Dodgers fleece. Yeah, I mean. Syndergaard is a sad story, unfortunately. This is another guy who's had two Tommy Johns, and 
it's it's kind of relevant now with the whole Otani discussion about how two Tommy Johns can really affect an arm. I mean, Syndergaard had one of the more electric arms in baseball when he first came up, like 2015, 2014, or excuse me, 2015, 2016. Like he was pumping like 90, 98, 99, 100 consistently. And then as soon as he get goes down with a few injuries, uh, and obviously – time adds to that equation like he's sitting comfortably 93 94 now not the same pitcher at all that he once was went from power to finesse and and in a span of like two to three seasons now he had to completely reinvent the wheel for himself and it has not worked out yet he's pretty much relied on his old craft and this is kind of the outcome of that he's now been cut by the second team in one season and uh, I would be surprised to see him on a mound again this year. Yeah, I, I don't think we'll see him on a mound yet again this year. I, I'd honestly question if we see him out on a mound ever again for an MLB team because as much as Noah Syndergaard, as much as a team might sit there and be like, oh, come on, we could fix him. Like he, There's still something there because it was it was there a couple years ago. As much as teams might think they can – I really think this guy's just chalked. I, I really do. The, just if you watch Noah Syndergaard pitch in 2016, 2017, and then watch him pitch in 2022 or 2023, you are watching two completely different pitchers. He's not the same guy. Like you said, the, the velo on the fastball is down like four or five miles an hour from a couple years ago. There's wear and tear on that arm. There's injuries all over the place. And there's just no point for this guy to even fucking try anymore like we saw the emotion that he had in LA that one that one series that press conference when he was like I wanted he wanted to do good for the guys he feels bad being like the worst fucking player on the team and everything then they trade him for Ahmed Rosario goes to Cleveland what he's probably had four or five starts in Cleveland and now he's DFA'd now he was pitching better in Cleveland than he did in LA but still just abysmal just not the same guy as he was and it shows a lot that Cleveland trades Ahmed Rosario for Noah Syndergaard and then promptly DFAs him. They had no problem DFAing him. And yeah, like I really would be surprised if we saw this guy in a MLB uniform ever again. Yeah, I I would be, I would be surprised to see him as well. I mean, I don't know. There's a part of me that sells a soft spot from him for him when he was a Met. I hope that he comes back and does well, but um, like it's it's not looking great. It does not look great for him right now, not at all. Yeah, poor guy. I think it's so funny when people get DFA'd. Honestly, especially people yeah, that like sucks. used to be really kind of like get the fuck out of here. Yeah, it's literally just like get the fuck out of here. We don't like you. We don't want you. Yep, it's pretty it's mean. Wild. Yeah, it is. Does. Hmm? I want to talk about the team that I know you said you would didn't want to talk about ever again, but I think we have to talk about them. Okay, let's talk about them. The New York Mets. The Mets, obviously, we know the season they've had. We know what they've done. We know what they want to do now. And the story came out, I think, yesterday or two days ago that likely – it is very likely that Peter Alonso gets traded in this offseason. We already saw that a couple weeks ago. 
it did get leaked that there was a trade in place for Pete Alonso to be traded to the Milwaukee Brewers. That obviously didn't go through as he's still in a Mets uniform, but the Mets likely going to trade Pete Alonso. I I, I know your opinion on it does. I know you think that they should trade him because you know, you're not a big Alonzo guy. Obviously, he doesn't hit for average. That's never it's never been part of his game, and it never will be. He's good for 40, 45 pumps a year. He's good for 100 RBIs a year, but he'll never hit for average. He'll always probably be a below average first baseman in the field. I just want your take on it. What do you think they can get for him? Like, what, do you, what are you looking for the Mets to get out of him? Because there's a lot of teams out there that value 50 home runs and 100 RBIs very highly yeah i think there's a lot of teams that would be uh buyers on the alonzo train very early uh i just like i mean I, I have nothing against pete i think he's a great player i like that he's you know been kind of uh what's the right word he's been polished to come up through the system and he's a true met guy now i guess you could call him that um but I, I don't know. With the direction that this team is moving in, and I, I understand that a, a big portion of what we spend our money on probably will be pitching. Um, I, I, I think it would be smart to offer him an extension, but I think if they can't come to terms quickly, I think we start thinking about moving him. Just because like Pete Alonso is, for what it's worth, like yes, there's not a lot of, 50 120 guys who are consistently consistently performing like him like he's every single year he's good for at least 40 home runs and 100 rbis like it's it's a given he plays 160 games every single year uh his defense is not great which i know a lot of the people in the system uh or, or in the organization i should say have not been really thrilled with and the average is obviously not there. I mean, he's going to he's going to struggle to hit his weight every single year. So, it really comes down to is there a better replacement in the system or can you pull off a Freddie Freeman, Matt Olson kind of deal where you, you you get get rid of Freddie or you let him or let Pete walk and immediately replace him with someone who is in my opinion cheaper and better for 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 the current team that you're building because I looked. I, I looked at what the Braves did, and I thought that was a genius move. They were going to have to give Freddie Freeman a, a sizable amount of money. I think it was going to be a lot more than what Matt Olson got. I think he only got like a, a hundred and sixty million, hundred seventy million, one sixty-eight from Atlanta. Sure. He's younger than Freddie. Might not be an MVP caliber player to um, like just to someone's eyes, but he's playing like one right now. That's for damn sure. And he's a better defender. He's got some gold gloves under his belt. He's got some silver sluggers under his belt. I think that that was the right move at the time for the Braves. They didn't have to put all their chips into Freddie Freeman. They put a sizable amount into Matt Olson and freed up room to spend elsewhere. I think that's kind of the same mindset that they have with Pete Alonso. I know Pete Alonso is not going to be a $200 million guy, but you never know what they're going to come asking at the door for next year at the um, contract negotiations. Yeah, I mean, there's no question that if the price is not right for Pete Alonso, that the Mets have really have no decision, no no other option but to trade him. And if they cannot figure out how to get a deal done with Alonso that is 
up to value and not overpaying, then I think that trading him is the right thing to do. Because especially when you talk about the Mets and we talk about a team who had one of the worst systems in baseball, who is being rejuvenated now by Steve Cohen. If you're trying to rejuvenate the system and that's what you're doing, and it seems like that's what you're doing, and you've said that that's what you want to do and you want to build this farm system while still having a good major league team, I don't see a problem in trading Pete Alonso. Now, I don't know what a player like Pete Alonso gets you because I do think that there's only certain teams that will go after a Pete Alonso. I think there's a lot of high caliber teams that view Pete Alonso the same way the Mets kind of do as, uh, yeah, it's very good to have 40 home runs and 100 RBIs, but we also really like guys with good defense. We really like guys who can hit for average. We like guys who can steal bags. You know, you're not going to get that with Pete Alonso, but like we keep saying, you are going to get 40 home runs, 100 RBIs, and there really aren't, there's a handful of guys that do that on a consistent basis every single year. You know, you, you got your, you know, your Matt Olsons, your, your Mike Trout's when he's healthy, your Otani's now, but your Aaron Judges, but there's really, there's not a, you know, a shit ton of guys that will go out there and give you 45 home runs and give you 100 plus RBIs. If the price is right for Alonzo, I say re-sign him. I think that price, for me, just my personal opinion, I think anything above 8150 like we were talking about last week when we talked about Alonzo, I think anything above eight years, $150 million, or something around that AAV is not worth it. You should trade him then, reboot your system like you've been trying to do, and just try to attack it in the next couple years. We know already, unless Steve Cohen does something crazy this offseason, that the Mets in 2024 are going to be a lackluster team. They just are. Unless something crazy happens and he goes out and he signs a bunch of free agents, that's just what's going to happen because he has shown that he wants to rebuild the system. Now, I don't know what they're going to do, who they're going to trade for, who knows, but I think that trading Pete Alonso could be exactly what the Mets need. But again, you really just don't know. Yeah, you um you really don't know until in, in, <laughs> until until the uh until the uh until the trade's been made. Um but yeah, I think I think I think it would be a uh I think I think I think the team needs to look into it no matter what. Uh Zach, I have um, insider sources at the Met game tonight. Uh, I think you'll you'll be interested to hear this this take. I'm, I'm getting texts as we speak about um, insider information happening at the Met game tonight. Okay, I would like to hear it. Uh, they showed a welcome back video for Max Scherzer, um, and apparently he got booed off the screen. I mean, I'm not surprised at all, like yeah. even a little bit. There, There is no love lost between Max Scherzer and the New York Mets. That They fucking hate him. He fucking hates them. It's going to be like that until he's out of the league. It's going to be like that probably when he tries to get voted into the Hall of Fame. The Mets are always going to hate Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is always going to hate the Mets. It was a, it was a bad, it was a bad time in the, in Queens and nobody liked it. Yeah, no one, no one liked it, and uh, I'm sure there, there were some weird things he said today. Max said some things today about how 
Uh, him and Justin Verlander are fine now that they're 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 better now that they're not on the same team. Uh, that the, the the culture in the clubhouse was great. The reports were wrong. I don't know what the hell he's trying to say now. I think he's trying to dig himself out of a hole uh, and probably make himself seem a little more respectable to New York media at this time. But Scherzer is all over the place, man. And uh, I'm 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 glad we got something for him while 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 we could. Yeah, hundred percent. It, it was the right move. They made the right move, and if he wants to be, you know, an asshole, and Mets fans want to be an asshole, they have absolutely that right too. And yeah, that's that's just what it's going to be. He, he he, like you said, he came out today and he basically said, you know, the the culture in the clubhouse, it, it, it's that's not why we lost. We lost because we sucked, and he was absolutely right about that. Did you see this report like an hour ago that apparently somebody? shot somebody inside yeah White Sox I stadium. See that that the, the gun was probably brought inside the stadium now how the now fuck how the, yeah does that happen no, like if you get it in okay they're not all stadiums i'm pretty sure do like uh like full security and everything not all stadiums do that and i get that and that's fine but you're telling me that this happened on Friday, and just now on Monday, they have figured out that the gun was from inside the stadium. Yeah, this just seems like a really bad... Uh, Nobody heard it? Really bad detective case. Uh, you're telling me there's no nobody heard this gun go off? Nobody. I mean, I wish I had an answer for you, but... Uh, the uh, the White Sox, interesting security that they have over there. Interesting security, interesting team. Th- that is, as much as we want to talk about the Oakland A's and how sad of an organization they are, the Chicago White Sox are not far behind. Did you and- hear the caller that one time, like to Chicago Sports Radio, where this this like caller went on like a seven minute rant about ownership and the team and how it's going in no direction and that. Yeah, it was yeah. awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're not wrong, though. There is no direction for White Sox fans. The, the There's just nothing. There's nothing good there. And they did just fire Rick Hahn, the general manager. They fired their president, I think, of baseball operations as well. They're trying to get some new blood in there. And I, I also saw talks of a possible um, relocation to Nashville, which I think would be good because let me as much as the Chicago White Sox want to say that you know, yeah, the south side of Chicago, blah, blah, blah. Chicago is a Cubs city. It's Cubs city. The south side, obviously, is is all White Sox. But the city of Chicago is there for the Chicago Cubs. They're not there for the White Sox. If the White Sox want to move, I don't think that's a problem. I think maybe they should. And like I said, this is a team with no direction and a team where you go to die, honestly. Yeah, this is not a fun place to to go to play baseball. I bet you Ben Attendee thought very differently when he signed his the biggest contract in White Sox history, forty million. Biggest contract in history, five years, seventy five million dollars. Oh, that's forty. Sorry, seventy five. I'm seventy five. Terrible. I had one more thing personally. Okay. The NL MVP race. Mm has looked like an absolute landslide for the entirety of the year. It's been Ronald Acuna. 
and it's been Shohei in the AL. The AL is going to be Shohei. There's no need to talk about it. It's going to be Shohei. It's going to be Shohei. Probably until he either gets hurt for a whole season or dies. The NL, however, is getting really, really interesting. Ronald Acuna at one point in the season, I think maybe a month ago, was minus 700 to win the NL MVP. Today, he has officially been passed by Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts now coming in at minus 130 to win the NL MVP. Acuna coming in at plus 115. This comes after a dominant, absolutely dominant month of August by Mookie Betts. He's been the best player in baseball in the month of August. There's no denying that. He plays multiple positions. He's the leader for the Dodgers. He's the leadoff hitter. He does everything for the Dodgers. God fucking damn it, I miss him. And right now, it's looking like it might be Mookie Betts. If he continues this tear for the rest of the season, I don't know how you can't give it to Mookie Betts. The only thing that Acuna really has over Betts right now is that he's got like 70 stolen bases. Yeah, I mean, Mookie is playing some of the best baseball of his career. And I really think that, dude, I I, I don't know how I didn't see this at the beginning of the year. Like, you ever like look at like a bet or something and you're like, how did I not see this coming? Like, I should have bet that Mookie was going to be the MVP this year. Like, he is just... Year after year, just so consistently goddamn good. And he hasn't done it yet in L.A. And now it's yeah. his time, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. He's been fucking fantastic since getting to L.A. He's still been great. He won them a World Series, and he's been good. But this is the first year that he's really, really coming out and being like, I am the best player in baseball outside of Shohei Otani, and I truly believe that. I just don't understand how one guy can be so fucking good all the time. And he is good at every single aspect of baseball. He can hit for average. He's hitting, I think, 325. He can hit home runs. He just tied his career high in home runs at 35. He can get you RBIs. I'm pretty sure he's got around 85. He can steal bags. He can play second base. He can play right field. He can play center if you need him to. He can do legitimately everything. Everything that you possibly need someone to do, Mookie Betts can do it. That's why I am officially stating Mookie Betts is the second best player in baseball behind Shohei Otani. I think he's really proving it now. Like this is this is the best season we've seen from him since that 2018 season when he bat 346 for the Boston Red Sox and won the World Series and won the most valuable player in the American League. This guy is on a fucking tear. And it's going to be so sad when he goes into the Hall of Fame wearing a Dodger uniform. Yeah, it's going to suck for you, unfortunately. But I don't know. I could see him going in uh, split hat here. Because he did win a World Series with the Red Sox. He was a big part of that team. But the majority of his time will be spent with the Dodgers, it looks like. It's yeah, that's the problem. Is it's gonna be like the majority of the time. He won a World Series with both. He'll, he's gonna win it. If he doesn't win it this year, I still think he's going to win an MVP as a Dodger. He will become the second player ever to win an MVP in both leagues. I think it's Frank Robinson is the other one. 
I mean, it, it's just, it, it's masterclass. It's just, this is how you play fucking baseball. And do I miss him? Yeah. Was it sad to see him in Fenway? Yeah. Was it sad to see him hit a home run over the monster? Absolutely it was. God fucking damn it do I miss that guy. And I hate that every time he comes up in conversation, I have to think about the fact that we could have had him for his whole career. He could have been a Red Sox his whole career. And it just didn't happen. We fucked it. He, yeah. I mean, he was going to be a sock for life and didn't. It's really fucking sad. It really is to watch him go out there and just tear my Red Sox apart. Just absolutely tear him apart. It's just rude. Tough scene. No, it, you know, it really fucking is. And it's it's frustrating. Especially because he also has so much swagger as a Dodger. I'm sad. I'm sorry, man. It's okay. I was just starting to get over it, too. That's how it always is. They always come back and they always look better. Oh, dude. He just looks so good. He looks so much better. Just so... Oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> at least, Especially you know, in hindsight, seeing that we traded him so we could pay... But at least you're still so a could, competitive team. That's I know, but we traded him so we could pay bad... I mean, not bad. I'm sorry. We could pay Xander and we could pay all these people. And guess what? Xander's fucking gone. At least you paid one of them. At least they're not all. At least we, yeah. At least we played Rafi, paid Rafi Devers. You can't field a fucking big ground ball. Hey, hey beggars can't be choosers. No, and don't get me wrong. I fucking love Rafi Devers. He's he's amazing. I love him. Tough season this year, but I mean, it, it's crazy. Like I always think it's funny how like we sometimes we talk about guys as having a rough season. Like Rafi Devers having a rough season, but. Yeah, he's batting two like two fifty, but he's still got thirty eight, I think, pumps, almost a hundred RBIs. Like, like we were talking about with Alonzo, there's not a lot of guys out there that are going to get you that production. And it, I'm happy that he does. It would just be nice to also have Mookie Betts. I wouldn't mind. Yeah. So yeah, that's sadness. Should we uh, do picks? Yeah, let's do picks. Okay. Cool. 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 Looks like Jake's trying to play the music, but it's not playing. Should be playing. Yep. Okay, it's not playing. That's all that's right, so that's. Let's jump into it. It's quite all right. We'll just. I don't mean to say. I'll, I'll, do 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 do. Wait, no, that's that's playing. the no. <laughs> that's the intro song. If it starts randomly playing, I'm gonna be mad at you. You're getting fired. Oh. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Please don't leave. We need you. All right. Picks for Tuesday, August 29th. <laughs> you got up for that one there. Yeah, Thank because I didn't today. know that it was. I, I thought today was Tuesday for a second, but it, sometimes I get confused because we do it a day before. And yeah, I'm stupid. I'm going to San Francisco. I'm going out to San Francisco, but I'm not taking those stinky giants. I'm taking those Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds, Tuesday night, 945 in San Francisco. They're going to get the dub. There's no question. I am going to go with the San Diego Padres minus 145 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Seth Lugo on the bump. Have to take a former Met when I can. 
Gotta love the Lugster. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are going with Old Reliable. Orioles mm-hmm. over. I don't know who they're playing. I didn't have a chance to look. But that makes it that much better. Orioles over. It's just a classic. It's a classic Jake pick. I fucking love it. Um, Did we forget to do Sunday picks on Thursday? We did. We did. Yeah. Um, it doesn't look like any of I mean, do, I don't think any of us were picking the Royals anyway. That's a really good point. So, yeah, it's fine. It doesn't matter. That's what I thought last night when I was watching the game. I was like, yeah, none of us would have picked the Royals. Same. I saw the game on and I was like, oh, shit, we totally forgot to pick, but whatever. Um, Jake, can you do roulette or, or should I do it? Uh, I need 26 more minutes. So okay, so I'll do, I'll do it. <laughs> Jake is a responsible gambler. Very responsible. He has limits on. That's called responsibility. Don't ask him what made that happen, but it doesn't matter. He did it. Yep, just responsible from the start. Didn't. That's right. Didn't, We're proud. We're proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. Progress. No problem. Got a chip today. <laughs> You should have bet Orioles overs on like every single game. Like you should have actually bet it. If I actually, I'd be up. I did the, I think I'm like, it's like 11 and four or something. Jesus. Um, okay. My app is not working. Let's try it again. This is great podcasting, by the way. Daz, how was your day? I haven't left the apartment yet. Oh, right. You told me that. I don't think that's a. I don't see that as a problem. Just, just everybody out there, if you don't leave your house all day for one day, it's okay. I think it's okay. Okay, numbers. Ah! Oh my God, so loud. Four. Four. Jake. I'm going with twelve. I'm going with five. Five. Four, five, and twelve. I'm also going to bet on first 12 just in case one of us hits. I get double money. Not double, but more. Here we go. I need a little bit of sound. I like to hear the ball go in circles. Here we go. 18. Let me tell you something, Daz. It did a little dancey dance around number four, though. A little dance. So yeah, we're still due. Uh, it's going to happen eventually. Me and Jake will eventually hit the roulette spin. Just kidding. Probably never going to happen. Daz has two. We have zero. Thanks everybody for listening to today's episode. We love you all. We appreciate you. We are here back on Friday. And see ya. Deuces. And the outro music also doesn't work. <laughs> it's working. Uh... You have it on. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want it.